0: Hello there, I know you're already on your phone or your computer, so I have a quick request. If you love listening to Tales and you haven't done so yet, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps spread the word. All you have to do is visit gooptales.com forward slash review and you're gonna be redirected to our podcasts page on Apple Podcasts. And one star means you don't like us, which probably just don't listen then. And five stars means you love us and we love you too. And since you're already there, just hit the subscribe button and you will always get notified when a new Goop tale comes out. In the last episode of Goop Tales, we met Playalina, She is a spirited goop girl who loves to play even when she should be doing other things like chores. And while visiting a magical waterfall, she fell into the water and dropped right in to the Trevi Fountain in Rome. There, she picked up a coin with the head of Vulcan, the Roman god of fire on one side. Vulcan became her friend and helped Playalina escape Piero, An angry Roman police officer, he helped her get back to Goop World safe and sound, where she could not wait to tell her friend, I'll do it, all about Rome and Vulcan. But I'll do it was on a billboard in Tokyo. Keep listening to learn how he ended up there and what challenges he is now facing in order to get back to Goop World. Tales, episode 85, I'll Do It and the Street Signs of Tokyo. I'll Do It was such a funny little goop. He could get on with any group. If it was a laugh they wanted, I'll Do It was never daunted. And if ever something needed to be done, without question... He was absolutely the one. Welcome to Goop Tales. My name is Maria Calantini, and I'm the founder and creator of Goop Tales. I created this podcast as a way to help you, dear listener, engage your other senses while getting away from the screen and as a way to experience entertainment and education in a combination that's just really fun and involves the natural world around us. Before we get started with today's story, I wanna take a moment and thank you for traveling all around the world with me. That's right, we have gone all around the world. Together, we've been to India, Canada, Spain, Vietnam, Russia, all the way up to the Arctic, and even further into outer space. In the five years that I have been creating these stories, we have been to 85 different places in the world. That is so amazing. I think there were two of them that were fantasy places, two or three, I'm gonna have to look that up, but real world places and you have been journeying with me. So I am very excited about that and I wanna thank you. If you're here with me, it means that you have an incredibly active imagination, that you're really interested in the world around you and you create pictures in your head of all these places and fascinating animals that the goops meet on their adventures. I love that because I love to use my imagination when I write these stories and that's where they all come from. And even though they are fictional, the places that the goops visit are very real and you can visit them too, hopefully one day. So I draw my inspiration from real places in this incredible world of ours and these real places are everywhere. Have you ever found yourself listening to a story and wondering what the actual place looks like? For example, if you listen to episode 84, were you wondering what the Trevi Fountain that Playalina visited actually looks like? Well now you can see it. If you want to listen to the stories and see photos of the real places that the goops visit, then ask the grown-up in your life if you can go to YouTube and search for Goop Tales. So we've recently launched our own YouTube channel and have made a couple videos of the stories that you already know and love. The videos are 100% made for kids and are marked like that by YouTube. So adults, if you're listening, you can rest assured we have taken every precaution for the little one to watch safely. And once you're there, I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to the channel. We're only just beginning this YouTube journey and making the videos that go along with the stories and have the real photos. And we would love to see this grow so that more listeners and watchers can experience the joy of listening to Goop Tales and using their imagination. Please subscribe when you're there on YouTube. Today's story was inspired by Nozzly. Nozzly wrote to us and said, I'll do it is a little goop boy that always says, I'll do it to any question. I'll do it's hat is a triangle and it has a button. So when he presses it, confetti comes out. And when it comes out, that means that he's saying, I'll do it. I'll do it always carries a clipboard with paper and a pen to write what he volunteered to do. Thank you, Nozzly, for that great idea and for all of the other Goop names. Nozzly, you have been amazing in the amount of Goop names you've sent in. So I'm finally doing one of yours. So thank you for the suggestion of I'll do it. Hopefully you're not going to mind a couple of the liberties that I've taken, but I did pretty good in sticking with your very specific directions for I'll do it. You can tell me what you think after you listen. Okay, to see our drawing for the goops, all of the photos that go with this story, and the cover artwork for I'll Do It and the Street Signs of Tokyo, just visit gooptales.com forward slash episode 8585. If you've already sent a goop idea for a story, have written a review like Nozzly, or simply sent us an email. Listen until the end to see if you get a shout-out. Chapter One Once upon a time, there was a very eager goop boy named I'll Do It. He was always ready to roll no matter what the situation was. Alduit was impatient and thirsty for knowledge and learning. This characteristic made him stick his hands into many projects and even places they didn't belong. Ever since his parents could remember, Alduit wanted to take over the world with his curiosity. To every question his parents asked, he would reply, I'll do it, once, just to test him. His father asked him a series of rapid-fire questions. Would you like to learn to ski? I'll do it. Do you want to make dinner? I'll do it. Do you want to put together a go-kart? I'll do it. Do you want to eat spaghetti for dinner? I'll do it. Do you want to have worms for dessert? I'll do it. You want worms for dessert? His father laughed. (laughs) Sure, I'll do it. I'll do it responded with a smile. Overall, the rest of the goops found this trait very helpful. Lazy Leva was definitely one to take advantage of I'll do it and his eagerness. She didn't enjoy math at all. So when Miss Wigglebutt assigned the math homework... Lazy Leva would say, Do you want to come over and do my math assignment? Sure, I'll do it, I'll do it, would reply. He was so enthusiastic about doing things that he wore around a cone-shaped hat full of confetti. There was a button on the hat that released the confetti whenever it was pushed. <laughs> it," also made sure to have a small clipboard with pen and paper at all times. He used it to write down anything he volunteered to do. He volunteered so often that he was apt to forget from time to time. The willingness to volunteer for just about anything was what made I'll Do It so very popular. Excitable loved to ask I'll Do It to help her out and then to press the button on his hat. Will you help me build a tree for it? She would ask. I'll do it, was the response. Excitable would reach up and press the button on his hat, and then she would jump up and down and shout with glee as confetti flew all over her. (laughs) There were some goops, however, who found I'll do it and his eagerness just a bit overbearing. Let me Try was just as eager as I'll do it, and he didn't enjoy competing to be the first one to have a go at something. Once, Caroless had gotten her kite stuck up in a cherry tree. She desperately tried to get it out, but she couldn't. Cryso came upon her, and she asked him for help. All he did was cry (laughs) and claimed that the tree was too high to climb. When Let Me Try and I'll Do It came into view, Caroless lit up with delight. She was sure that one of them would be happy to retrieve her kite. No sooner had she explained the situation when she simultaneously heard, I'll do it! And let me try from two familiar voices. Carol was thrilled to have two goops willing to get her kite. I'll do it was halfway up the cherry tree by the time let me try had placed his pinwheel on the ground. Let me try was not pleased at all. I was going to try and get it, he groaned. I said I would do it, and I did, shouted let me try from high above. He triumphantly held the kite and made his way down the tree. Let me try stomped his foot in annoyance. This sort of behavior never dampened Alduit's willingness to do just about anything. Alduit spent quite a bit of time with Monia. She was forever moaning about something that wasn't right and Alduit was always quick to respond that he would fix the offending situation. Early, one clear summer morning, Alduit and Monia set out to a small mysterious island in the middle of a very clean lake in Goop World. The island was very rocky and covered with trees, and the only way to get to it was to walk out on a long wooden walkway. Monia had admired the island from afar and had always wanted to visit it, but she didn't want to walk the long walkway alone. I'll do it, volunteered to go with her. I'll do it, let's go. It will be an adventure, he exclaimed. As they walked along the planks in the early morning sun, Monia began (laughs) to moan. The sun is blinding me. I can't see. I'm going to trip on a plank. I'll do it immediately, wanted to find a solution to Monia's issues, primarily so he didn't have to listen to her moan. I will walk in front of you and make sure you can't trip on a plank, he exclaimed as he hopped past Monia and landed on the plank in front of her. Monia jumped on the other side of the plank right behind him and I'll do it was immediately catapulted high into the sky. Monia watched in awe as I'll do it disappeared into the clouds. Chapter two, I'll do it, Soared through the sky and right past a flock of noisy geese. On and on, he went through clouds above a lightning bolt and over a rainstorm. Everything was dreamlike all around him. He just sat back and enjoyed the ride. When he finally descended, Alduit floated down through the quiet solitude of the clouds into the noisy, busy city of Tokyo, where he landed on a dark, empty street, glowing with neon lights. Alduit looked up at the semi-lit signs above him and around the darkened city street. It had an eerie feeling and i'll do it immediately sensed that he should move on his feet began to tingle and he looked down the street was made of square cobblestones and as i'll do it looked down he was sure he saw tiny gremlin faces appear and then disappear on some of the cobblestones shaking his head in disbelief he looked back down at his feet this time, he saw a gremlin face right near his left foot and the cobblestone shifted ever so slightly, creating an opening. Alduit's foot slid into the opening and was instantly wedged between two cobblestones. He couldn't get it out. He looked around for something to grab onto, anything, but he was in the middle of the street and there was nothing. Fear began to overtake him as he thought about sliding into the cobblestones, disappearing forever, and maybe even becoming a gremlin. A flicker from the signs above caught all its eye, and he looked up to see a small elf-like creature on one of the billboards. He did a double take because he was quite sure that the elf Winked at him, but then again, maybe his mind was playing tricks on him. He looked again at the elf, and yes, she was winking and looking directly at I'll do it. Not knowing what else to do, he winked back at her. Ah, I knew it. You're friendly. You don't belong in the land of the gremlins. Let me help you, she called out. Before he could say a word, I'll do it watched as a pair of wings emerged from the tiny elf creature and she flew straight off the sign and down to I'll do it. She perched on his shoulder and looked him directly in the eyes. It's the gremlins. They will turn you into one of them. They rule these streets at night. You shouldn't be here, she said. it. yanked at his foot, trying to get it to move. But it seemed the cobblestones were holding it even tighter. He pulled and pulled and said, I'll do it! I'll get it out! But the more he pulled, the worse things got. Well, you can't do everything on your own. May I assist you? asked the fairy-like elf. it." didn't like to admit defeat, But he also didn't like the idea of being swallowed by cobblestone gremlins. You may, but what will you do? He replied. The little elf smiled and her wings spread even wider. And then, right before Alduit's eyes, her wings expanded to 10 times her size and flapped. They flapped so quickly that everything around them shook including the cobblestones. The moment that a cobblestone shifted, the little elf scooped up All do it with her enormous wings and flew straight back to her sign above the Tokyo street. She gently placed i do it on the corner of the sign and then she shrunk back to size and popped right in to the sign for a magic store, exactly where she belonged. I'll do it, was awestruck. He watched it all, unable to speak. Allow me to introduce myself. Now that you're safely away from those grubby, icky gremlins, I'm Eleanor, and I am here by way of a long-ago magic shop. I was the mascot for a magic shop over one hundred years ago here in Tokyo. And then the shop closed, and no one seemed... "'interested in magic anymore. "'So I have made this abandoned sign my home. "'No one from the streets below seems to notice. "'I blend in with all the rest of the signs and the billboards. "'There are so many of us. "'They have become my family,' said Eleanor, "'as she motioned to the signs and billboards "'that ran up and down the street. "'She continued.' As the magic shop owner left the street so many years ago, he was very angry about his lack of success, and he dropped a black gremlin spell on the street. Gremlins pop up in all the cobblestones every night, and all the rest of the creatures from the street had to flee the cobblestones. We all found safety up here in the signs. I'll do it looked around again. And this time he noticed that the signs were full of strange Japanese writing. But if he looked closely, he saw the writing change into shapes of cats, dogs, mice, and even rats. All of these creatures had escaped the gremlin cobblestones long ago and lived their lives on billboards disguised as letters. You need to come down off your billboards and have a party in your street, said I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll plan this party for you, he said with excitement as he hopped off his perch and straight onto the cobblestones below. Chapter 3 Eleanor watched in dismay as Alduit landed right on the face of a gremlin. The cobblestones immediately began to tighten around Alduit's tiny feet as they sunk deeper into the cracks. Eleanor sighed and said again in an exasperated tone. Then she hopped off her sign, expanded her wings, and flew down to Alduit. She flapped her wings just as vigorously as before, and the cobblestones had no choice but to shift the tiniest bit. When they did, Eleanor pulled Alduit as hard as she could and released him. She flew him back to his perch and gave him a small lecture on the power of the gremlins. I'll do it, apologized, and told her that his enthusiasm took over. Well, let's use that enthusiasm of yours and put it to good use. But you are going to need some help, said Eleanor with a wink. <coughs> Eleanor and I'll do it began to plan a party. It would be on a national holiday. The Emperor's birthday was the following day. Let's do it at daybreak. It's the emperor's birthday holiday and many will be home celebrating. We will need to have our party during the daytime when those awful gremlins aren't out. We can take over the entire street. Eleanor and I'll do it quickly got to planning their party. There was a nearby music store that would be closed for the day and they would use it to pipe music into the street. We can play music that will spill out onto the street so we can dance with old friends. I'm sure we can gather a few long-lost friends to help us set it up, said Eleanor. And we can do that right now. it." watched as her wings emerged and she picked him up. They flew over to a sign across the street. It was covered in Japanese letters that it didn't recognize. Eleanor placed I'll do it on the sign, and then she gently tapped on one of the letters. Fuji, it's me, Eleanor. Please come out and meet my new friend, I'll do it. We are planning a party. I'll do it watched in awe as the strange letter slowly began to move little by little. And then, with a tiny pop, it transformed into a cat. Konnichiwa, said Fuji, as he looked at I'll Do It. Then he told I'll Do It. He was an alley cat that used to roam the street until the gremlins made it impossible for him. He didn't want to fight them every night, so he moved onto the sign above the pet store and became the letters for cat in Japanese, Neko. I almost never come off my sign anymore. I enjoy the sights from up here, but a party at sunrise with old friends is well worth the trip to the street. Fuji then volunteered to use his skills and hop about from sign to sign to invite everyone he could for the sunrise party. Off he went as Alduit watched him, wishing he could move about like a cat. Next, Eleanor took Alduit to a giant billboard where there was an enormous butterfly named Ray. She was made of blinking pink and red lights. Up close, she was hypnotic. Eleanor knocked on one of Ray's lights, and she stopped blinking for a moment. Eleanor, it's you, my friend, she said sweetly, after she recognized her old friend. Eleanor introduced I'll do it, and told Ray of their party plans. Ray was delighted to be part of the festivities. She immediately stopped all her blinking and became a spectacular butterfly. Oh, how wonderful this feels, she exclaimed as she flapped her wings. I will fly around and invite all of those who are high up on billboards. See you at sunrise, she sang out as she fluttered away. Eleanor looked at Alduit. will do it. All we have to do now is await sunrise, she said with a smile on her face. Then she picked up Alduit will do it and flew him back to her sign above the long abandoned magic shop. Alduit will do it sat very impatiently, staring at the horizon and waiting for the sun to rise. He kept his eyes fixated looking for the tiniest flicker of light to indicate daybreak. Finally, after what seemed an eternity, he saw a pink sliver of light and he immediately hopped to the cobblestones below to begin the party. I'll get the party started, he said with glee. But the pink sliver of light was Ray, who had returned to her billboard and lit up to finish out the final hour before dawn. The cobblestones were still full of gremlins, and I'll do it had just hopped on the meanest one. Chapter Four. There was a low rumbling sound coming from the cobblestone, and it seemed to be turning red. Alduit do looked down at his feet. He could feel them growing hotter and hotter. The cobblestone was burning, and I'll do it. couldn't lift his feet. Eleanor heard his yelps of pain and quickly sprouted her wings and flew down to the street yet again to rescue Alduit. She tugged and tugged, but to no avail. Alduit's feet seemed to be stuck to the burning cobblestone. Eleanor began to panic and flap her wings as quickly as she could to cool him down. But his feet continued to burn. Just when Alduit thought he couldn't stand it any longer, a sliver of sun broke through the darkened street and the gremlins immediately disappeared along with the heat. Alduit's feet quickly cooled off, and he was back to being himself. I'm so sorry, Eleanor. I've let my eagerness get the best of me. But it's sunrise now. Let's party. Eleanor looked at him for a long moment and then said, let the party begin. Alduit cupped his hands together and shouted up towards the signs and billboards hanging above the street. It's time to party everyone, come on down. As the sun rose in the sky, the street filled with long lost friends. There were rats dancing with cats, cats playing with dogs, birds chirping with one another, and butterflies flying everywhere. Music floated through the air and everyone danced. Eleanor flitted about, socializing with old friends and new. She told the new ones about the abandoned magic store that she sat above. She even met a fellow elf fairy that lived above a toy shop. News of the party spread quickly around the streets of Tokyo, and hundreds of partiers came to join the fun. The signs and billboards of Tokyo were half empty. Letters hopped off and turned into cats, birds, and dogs. Animals and toys hopped off and came to life. They were all thrilled. They all thanked Eleanor and All Do It, telling them that for years, all they did was sit on signs and watch the fun below. They had always wanted to join in the festivities, but they felt like outsiders and they knew about the gremlins and didn't want to risk it. Let's do this every holiday. We shall create our own fun, said Eleanor. We will celebrate in a gremlin-free street here in our little corner of Tokyo. Yes, please, said Ray. We must, said Fuji. The party lasted all day. As the sky began to dim, Ray flew back to her billboard. "'I am going to watch for the setting sun, "'and when I see it, I will light up brightly. "'You will all see me, "'and that will be your signal to go back to your signs,' she said. The revelers nodded in agreement. No one wanted to be standing on the cobblestones when the gremlins emerged. All Do It was busy laughing with Fuji.' and showing him his magic hat. Just press the button, he said, and Fuji reached out a paw, pushing the button, and watching in delight as confetti streamed out. Fuji laughed and pressed the button over and over as I'll do it said, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. The two of them were so engrossed in their little game that they didn't even notice as Ray's lights shone brightly and everyone else, Hurried from the street, suddenly the street went quiet, except for Fuji and I'll do it. They stopped and looked around, and as they did, Fuji noticed Ray's bright neon butterfly wings blinking wildly. Come, we must leave. It's sunrise, he said. I'll do it. Leapt to a nearby drainpipe to climb up to Eleanor's magic sign. But once he arrived, he looked back down to see Fuji standing in the middle of the cobblestones, unable to move. They have me! Save yourself! Stay where you are! said Fuji. I'll do it." desperately looked around for Eleanor, but he couldn't find her. She had escorted a field mouse back to his sign after the party and hadn't yet returned. I can't leave you! cried out Alduit as he watched Fuji's legs sink a little bit deeper between the cobblestones. If he didn't do something quickly, Fuji would disappear altogether. I'll find a way, I'll do it, I'll do it, called out I'll do it, as he began to climb back down the drain pipe. Don't do it, it's too risky, said Fuji. I'm not leaving you, I'll do this somehow, responded I'll do it. As he shimmyed down the drain pipe to the street below, Alduit heard a clanging sound inside the drain pipe. He watched as a tiny gold disc emerged from the drain pipe and fell onto the street. It sparkled in the morning sun. Alduit reached out from the pipe and picked up the gold disc. It had a Japanese word inscribed on it. Negai, said Alduit as he read the disc. Wish, that means wish, said Fuji. I have a wish, said Alduit. Wish for yourself to be home, said Fuji in a very muffled voice. At this point, all that doit could see of Fuji was his tail poking up between the cobblestones. I wish for Fuji to be free, said I'll do it as quickly as he could. And just like that, Fuji was freed and standing at the top of the drainpipe on Eleanor's sign. But what about you? said Fuji as he stared around in disbelief. I'll take care of this generous little fellow, said Eleanor as she flitted through the sky and right over to I'll do it. Press your button and wish for home, she commanded. Do it did as he was told and felt confetti stream all over him. As he cleared away the confetti, he saw that he was sitting on Monia's front porch. He raced inside to tell her all about the gremlins of Tokyo, but she was nowhere to be found. She had gone back in time to the Pyramid of the Moon, but that is a tale for another time. If you have a goop idea stirring around in that little head of yours that you want to share with me, just ask a grown-up to help you send it over. You can send it through a voice message. If you visit gooptails.com. on the right side of the screen, you're gonna see a green button that reads, leave a 90 second voice message for Maria. If you send a voice message, not only are you most likely gonna get a response from me because I listen to them, but if we end up choosing your goop for a story, We might even play your voice message on the podcast. Would you like to hear your voice on the podcast? Now, if you want to see the cover artwork for this story and the photos that go with it, just visit gooptails.com forward slash episode 85. That's eight five. Now, I would love to see your artwork as well. If you're feeling creative, draw a picture of I'll Do It and ask a grown-up to tag us on it in social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Gooptails. I want to take a moment and thank so many of you who have reached out. I want to thank Miron. Miron is Nazli's brother, and he has suggested some great Goop names that we have listed and stored in our records for future use. And I also want to thank Paxton, Beatrice, Hawkins, Wolf, Lucia, Krishna, Micah, Nalina, Valerie, Daniel, Petra, and Molly. Thank you for writing in, leaving a review or a voice message. I read them and listen to them all and I love them, so thank you. And lastly, before I leave, I'm curious to know what you thought of today's story. I find out Many interesting things, researching each goop tale, about the world around us. I want to know what you hear when you listen to the story. And if you want to know more about the real place, the city of Tokyo, behind today's story, and what inspired how today's story came to be, then you definitely don't want to miss my next Behind the Story episode. And that's also your chance to send in questions that you would like me to answer about the episode or about Goop Tales in general. Okay, don't take too long to send in your questions because I'm going to record it in a couple days and I'm going to need your, either your email or your voicemail with your question. I promise I will answer all the questions I get. And don't forget to subscribe so you get notified when the next Goop Tale comes out.